The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard. And our goal every week is to help you in your quest to be the best in sales, business, and life. And we're going to continue to bring you top-shelf information, techniques, tools, and ideas to help you in your quest to be the best. We're going to continue our conversation on the topic of effective negotiation skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals, part two. We had part one last week where we started just going back through some of the necessary skills to be consistently successful in negotiations to protect your commissions, your margins, your profits. So just to recap very quickly, in the last show, we were talking about concession strategies. That's where we left off. And just to kind of recap, we were talking about how to use concessions. And one of the things we said was to not give away so much right up front uh, in, in a process that many call bundling. They try to make the package look so impressive by giving away a whole lot of things. In reality, the majority of the things your client may not even be interested in, so you're giving away things that you could use later, either as concessions or that don't really matter, but it actually costs you something. So we said start with your highest expectation, when you're negotiating, too many people just automatically go in way, way too low. Uh, in the event that the other party is giving concessions, we said don't try to match each concession that someone is giving you. But if you're giving a concession away, you want to, for everything you give away, you want to get something in return. And we said only give something away that you can link to an actual need that the other party has or something that they have, they consider to be valuable to them. And we also said that make your concessions in very small amounts and don't make them in some type of rhythmic uh, formula. All right. How about 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20, 20,000, 25,000, 30,000. You know, so basically don't give it away in $5,000 increments or $2,000 increments. Give it in small increments. Instead of giving a, a full percentage point, give a half a percentage point, a quarter of, of a percentage point, and make them earn it from you. Also, keep track of your concessions. We talked about that. Because in the throes of negotiations, we can get so excited that we're just talking and, and bantering back and forth, and then we don't realize what we've actually conceded until we get back to our office and we're doing the math, and we're like, oh my goodness. 
Also, be prepared to withdraw any concession you give. Because if you give them one thing and then they won't, if you give them A and then they say, we also want B, say, okay, I can give you B, but I'm going to have to take A back. And you'll be amazed how many times they will say, okay, I tell you what, we'll just stick with A. And if you make a mistake, a lot of people say, well, I made a mistake, so I'm just going to eat it. No, if you made an honest mistake, go back and talk to the customer and you'll be amazed how many times they will work with you to see that you get what you really do. And there will be some customers who say, well, hey, you made the mistake, so you're going to have to eat this one. Uh, and that can happen. But they also understand in future situations uh, they're going to have to pay the correct price. And last but not least, watch your desire to be liked. This is business. And if you want to have a friendship with them, now is not the time because you both have a responsibility. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your organization, to your family, to do the best that you can for them, to make the best commission, to provide the best margins for your company. And the other party has the same goals. So it's not about being liked at this point. It's about what's about doing what's in the best interest of your company and theirs and finding something that you can work with where you both walk away feeling good about it. Now, let's talk quickly about some of the characteristics of a good negotiator. Number one, the a good negotiator has the courage to ask for more information. There are three things that determine the outcome, really, of negotiations. And one is power. The other is information. And the other is time. Power, information, and time. And as a rule, whoever has the most information and the best information will normally do the best job negotiating. Information is critically important. And there are several ways you can get the information. You can Google the company to find out what's going on with them uh, and what their plans are. You can have a coach, which is what I highly recommend. A coach is someone who has insight into that organization that doesn't mind sharing that information with you. They have insight into the organization as well as the people potentially you'll be negotiating with. And they're willing to share that information with you and they don't have any vested interest in, in doing so. In other words, you aren't paying them for the information. Also, a good negotiator has the patience to outlast the other negotiator. And we need to talk about that. Negotiations require a tremendous amount of patience and sometimes it can take a lot of time. And as a rule, if someone's trying to speed me up, I, I slow down, okay? Because they obviously see something or know something that I'm not aware of or maybe not as informed about, and they're trying to get me to make a quicker decision uh, to their best interest. So you have to have extreme patience. But as sales professionals, in many instances, we try to get things done too quickly. And if you're doing that, you're leaving money on the table. Be patient. Uh, negotiations can be extremely fatiguing. And you've heard me make the comment before. Uh, I think it was by Vince Lombardi. He said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. When we get tired, we just want to get it done. Or we may make mental mistakes that can cost us or our companies money. 
So be patient. Another saying I like is, and I think I created this one, but when in doubt, take a time out. Anytime the other party brings up um, a topic or something that you aren't really prepared for, or either they try to change something that you've been talking about, you want to take a timeout. A timeout is just a brief break where you can carefully assess what was just proposed to make sure that if you're willing to do it, it is truly in both parties' best interest. So a timeout is something that you can do by yourself. You can you know, call your office. You can call your experts. You can call someone that can help you think reasonably through the proposition that they just gave you. Now, when you're doing it with a team, it's known as a caucus, a caucus. And believe it or not, in many successful negotiations, there may be actually 10% of the time where you are face-to-face negotiating with the other party, and it could be 90% in timeouts where you're carefully assessing your position and giving consideration to something they may have proposed. One of the key rules of negotiations is basically this. Never negotiate an issue unless you are prepared for it. Something unforeseen always comes up in negotiations. And when it does, a caucus or a timeout is really called for. Call a meeting among your own people to discuss the new issue. Don't plunge into it half-cocked. There are several reasons that a caucus is useful. And for a variety of purposes, let's talk about some. Number one, to review what was heard or just learned. To think of questions to ask to get better or more information. To develop new arguments and defenses. To explore possible alternatives. To better develop proof statements. To validate your position to discuss possible concessions that can have high perceived value to the other party but low or no cost to you, to determine how to react to new demands or whether to make additional demands, to consult experts that you may have. You may have to make a couple of phone calls. To analyze changes in price, specifications, time, or terms, and the impact they can have on you and your organization, as well as your ability to fulfill the commitment that they're asking. To do cost analysis. To forestall embarrassing questions. These are all good reasons why it makes sense to take a timeout on the form of having a team to, to take a caucus, to have a caucus. So basically, a timeout or a caucus gives you time to think, to make a point more effectively, to check your facts, or to show your resolve. It gives you a chance to pull all your people to work on the problem. Hey, think about it for a second. If timeouts are so important to a football coach, they ought to really be important to a negotiator because the stakes, in my opinion, are much higher in negotiations. So to be an effective negotiator requires that we have the patience to work through the details and the patience to outlast the other negotiator. Also, one of the characteristics of being a good negotiator is 
the desire to have a win-win outcome. As I've said before, you need to win as much as the other party does. And don't be satisfied anymore with just getting the business. It really needs to be profitable business. It needs to be business that you feel good about. The other aspect of a good negotiator is the willingness to be a good listener. And I've talked about listening throughout the entire process. And it's, it's extremely important to listen well throughout the entire sales process because the information you gather at some point you're going to use in the negotiations. And understand this, towards the end of the sales process when negotiations will be a part of the execution, the less information you get. You will get more and better information on the front end. And there are times when the other party is trying to help you in the negotiation process. They may intentionally put out some things to you to help you understand the direction you need to go in order to facilitate a win-win and keep the negotiation process moving. And I've had procurement people, uh, procurement officers tell me that they have been extremely frustrated in negotiating with sales professionals or business owners because they're trying to give them tips on how to make this thing work and the other party or the sales professional is not paying attention. We're not listening. So, and also you can pick up potentially on mistakes or things they may give you that will give you an edge on how to move forward in the negotiations. The other topic that we need to talk about, we'll talk about when we come back from the break it's time for our first break of the show. Uh, you're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and we're talking about effective negotiation skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals. I'll talk to you again on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're 
You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at tymaynergroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and our topic today is Effective Negotiation Skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals, part two. And before the break, we were talking about characteristics of a good negotiator. We said they had the courage to ask for more information. Information is power, but most importantly, applied information is power. They also had the patience to outlast the other other negotiator, the desire to have a win-win outcome instead of just giving up the ship, the boat, the house, and everything. Now, let's do more to ensure our odds of winning and having better profitability. The willingness to be a good listener and last but not least, the courage to ask for more than you expect to get. Stop going in so low because you think you're going to lose the business if you don't go in low. And I can I can give you one tip on how to be a better negotiator. And if you will follow this tip, you probably don't have to listen to any more of my shows on negotiations. You don't have to read any books on negotiations. You don't even have to attend a seminar on negotiations if you will do this one thing. And that's always have a full funnel. Always have a full pipeline. Always have a lot of business that you're working on. Because if you have a lot of business that you're working on, you automatically become a better negotiator because you don't need this one opportunity to make your year, to make your month. You have several others that look just like this opportunity. So if you lose this one, all is not lost. All is not lost. As a matter of fact, it's been proven by research that sales professionals who give themselves room to to negotiate do better than those who don't. And there have been a multitude of experiments They have identified that sellers do well when they make high demands. And the sellers who make unexpectedly high demands tend to do well if they are persistent and they don't deadlock. And if they have a valid reason for their starting point. So now let's talk about the other party in greater detail. We know them as... Purchasing agents, procurement officers, buyers, and you may even be negotiating with executives inside an organization. But their fiduciary is to their company just as your responsibility is to your organization. Now, that's an old saying that I don't necessarily believe or agree with where they say that buyers are liars. Uh, I can't necessarily say that's true. I do know there are quite a few situations where buyers will use tactics that include deception. 
Okay, and I have interviewed them and and they have shared with me many of the tactics that they use. And I even had one gentleman who just flat out said to me, he said, Ty, yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, I lie to salespeople. I do lie to them because it's my job to get the best possible price for my company and I will do what I have to. So with that in mind, I just want to walk through a few of the tactics that they'll use to erode your margins and to raise your aspiration level falsely. One of the tactics that they use is called the bait and switch. And that's where they'll tell you that this opportunity is so huge. It's going to, it's going to make your year, may even make your decade. This is a big opportunity. So you need to be very aggressive in your pricing and we don't have time to play with you. So because they have told you that this opportunity is so large, you go in extremely low in the hopes of winning the opportunity. And once they get your numbers and all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like magic. The opportunity shrinks from being extremely large to this much, much smaller size opportunity. Yet they expect you to keep your same pricing schedule, the same huge discount for this much smaller uh, opportunity. And in many instances, we do it. And the rule of thumb should be this. Anytime the scope of the project changes, you have an opportunity to revisit your pricing schedule. So guess what? If the opportunity increases, you can revisit your pricing schedule and maybe they can get additional uh, discounting or uh, better pricing. At the same time, if the scope of the opportunity diminishes in size, you also have the same opportunity to revisit your pricing schedule. And guess what? The price may go up. So do not put yourself in a box. Do not keep the same price if the size or the scope of the project changes. Your pricing should reflect the size of the opportunity. So that's the bait and switch. And the opposite of the bait and switch is basically the pie in the sky. And that's when they will tell you that, well, this initial opportunity is really, really small. But whoever wins this opportunity will get the mother of all opportunities a year from now, two years from now. I don't know what time frame they'll put on it. But they want you to think that, and they'll say, whoever wins the small one will automatically win the large one. So you, you think to yourself, well, shoot, you know what? We need to go ahead and win. We need to do whatever we, we can or have to to win the small opportunity. So we just automatically win the big opportunity. And that's called the pie in the sky. So we you will go in extremely aggressive in your pricing or your discounting on this so-called small opportunity in hopes of winning the bigger opportunity. So you give them this crazy pricing and guess what? After you win it, the bigger opportunity gets tabled uh, for, for whatever reason. It does not come to fruition. Or if it does still come to fruition a year later or two, year late, two years later, they still invite everyone else back to the dance. So now it's an opportunity for them to re-engage all of your competition 
and you gave this extremely ridiculous pricing on this small opportunity. So be mindful of that. Uh, there are several ways that you can protect against that. All right. So you can do maybe tiered pricing. So as the volume, you get volume from them, you can get, they get better pricing, but you don't give them all of your best pricing up front. Or you may even do some type of a rebate. As you get more business from them, then you give them uh, funds back in the form of a rebate. And that helps to keep people honest. Another technique that is used quite often is the big pot tactic. The big pot tactic. And I, I want to talk about that with you for a second. I'm going to share a story with you just to show you how the big pot actually works. Once upon a time, there was a wise man who lived in a small village in Russia. And an unhappy woman came to him seeking advice because she lived in a small, very small hut that was barely large enough for her and her husband and their two children. And then her in-laws fell on some really hard times. And trying to be nice and trying to be helpful, she allowed them to move in with her family in this already small hut. Now, the living conditions soon started to get on her nerves. So she cried out to the wise man, what should I do? What should I do? Now, the wise man pondered. He just started stroking his beard. And then finally, he asked the lady, he said, do you happen to have a cow? And the lady said, well, yeah, actually, I do. He said, "Okay, I tell you what, what I want you to do is move the cow into the hut with you and the family and then come back and visit me after a week. And it didn't make sense to her, but she followed the advice reluctantly. And after all, I mean, he, he was the wise man of the village. He had a great reputation. And a week passed, and things actually got worse. Every time the cow turned, the six occupants had to change seats. It was impossible to sleep. The lady returned to the wise man in tears, and she said, I am more miserable than ever. She said and told him the whole story. He stroked his beard thought a while and asked, have you any chickens, dear lady? Yes, she said, but what has that to do with my problem? I have an answer, he advised. Take the chickens into the hut for a week and then come back. More skeptical than ever, she again took his advice, for he was the wise man of the village. A week later, hysterical, she returned to the wise man and said, you are insane. Your advice is horrible. My hut is now impossible to live in. The cows turn, the chickens fly, the in-laws cough, the children find feathers in their soup, and I fight with my husband. It's all your fault. He stroked his beard, thought a while, and said, Dear lady, try one more thing when you go home. Take out the cow. Come back in a week. This man is a bit of a fool, she thought, but decided to follow his advice for the last time. A week later, she returned. He said, how do you feel, dear lady? She said, this is ridiculous. I feel, but I feel a little better. Now that the cow is out of the hut. He stroked his beard, thought a while and said, I have a solution to your problem. Take out the chickens and come back to me in a week. The lady took out the chickens and lived happily ever after with her husband, her children, and the in-laws. And in essence, that's what the big pot is all about. The buyers are trying to create issues for the salesperson. 
Some of the issues are real and some of them are just made out of straw. And they do this with four purposes in mind. But what we're going to do now is time for our next break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the big pot and how it's used against you and also how you can counter it. It's time for a short break. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and you're listening to the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luce Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you're listening to forget patience let's sell something if you want to reach time mainer or today's guest please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Mayner, and today's topic is Effective Negotiation Skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals, part two. We were just talking about the big pot tactic that's used by buyers. We were talking about that before the break, and I shared a story with you, and the essence of the story is this. Buyers use the big pot pot tactic, basically what they do is they will place in maybe two to three things that they really don't want, all right? And they're going to be really tough for you. They're trying to force you to say no. And then after you've said no to the first two or three things, you start to feel awkward as the sales professional or the business owner uh, and Finally, they get down to the fourth thing, and that's really what they do want. And that sounds so reasonable to you in comparison to the other things that they were proposing that when they get to the fourth thing that they really want, 
you jump on it. Oh, we can do that. And you're almost happy to do it. You, as a matter of fact, you are relieved to do it. So when the salesman tells his management that the buyer has agreed to remove the cows, to remove the chickens, everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Oh, my goodness, that's good, because it could have been a whole lot worse. And really what they did was they put in some things that they really didn't want to get you to agree to the thing that they really did want. And that's called the big pot tactic. Let's talk quickly about how you can counter the big pot when it's used on you. First, you can big pot them back and you can do this issue by issue. For example, if they ask you for a net 90 day payment, state that you have quoted 60 days, but your boss wanted net 30 days. If they ask for a thousand dollar a day penalty for late delivery, then you ask for a thousand dollar a day premium for early delivery. They will likely respond, well, we can't do that. And then you can explain, well, neither can we. The second counter is to listen without making any concessions to their demands. Just basically take notes. And when they're finished speaking, assure them that although their demands are highly unusual, you would check to see if your company might consider some of them. First, get them to tell you which concessions are really most important. And if you can turn the big pot tactic into a concession priority session, then you will have gotten valuable information without giving anything away. This will put you in a good position to negotiate the next time you meet with them. Recognize the big pot while it is happening and slow down the negotiations. And very quickly, also, another tactic that's commonly used among buyers is called cherry picking. That's basically where they will look at multiple proposals and they will find some aspect of a, of a proposal that uh, is better than yours. And they will just broad brush it with a comment like, you know, they are lower than you on their proposal by 4%. And guess what? On maybe one particular line item, they may have been lower than you by 4%, but they make it seem to you like over the entire proposal. So that's where it is incumbent upon you to know your competition. It's incumbent upon you to also know what the industry standards are and be prepared to challenge it. So you may even have to say, wow, that's that's significant. And based on my experience in the industry, uh I have found if something is that far off, there could be an error in the proposal, and I would appreciate an opportunity to evaluate it. You can tell them it's okay for them to black out all of the prices, but you would like to be able to look at the proposal just to make sure that you are looking at apples to apples instead of them even alleviating something or not having the exact same proposal. So that's one way to challenge cherry picking. I want to also talk about team negotiations because that can be extremely beneficial in negotiations and my recommendation is if it's one person negotiating with another person that's great if it's two people negotiating with two other people that's always great as well but you want to avoid imbalance on either side if it's if you're a really good negotiator and you're negotiating with one person that's great if you're a good negotiator, you're negotiating with two people, you can still do pretty well. But I would recommend that you never uh, go negotiate with three people if it's just yourself. 
Uh, I would gather all of the information if you find yourself in that particular situation. Gather all of the information and, and tell them that you would like to take it back to your team and schedule another time to meet because if it's three against you, uh, you're not going to fare very well in that particular situation. Uh, also, if it's you and two other people on your team and you're going to negotiate with one person, that's probably not going to go very well either because they're going to feel like they're in a, in a precarious position. Uh, and they're going to be really tough to to work through things with. So try to avoid the imbalances. And when you do have team negotiations, you want to establish roles and goals of each individual. And I highly recommend that if, if the person or persons with you can't bring value, uh, then you probably want to not have them be a part of it. But everyone should have a defined role. And you want to also have one spokesperson, which I also refer to as a quarterback. And the quarterback does all of the speaking primarily. And it's important that you have a quarterback and not everyone speaks out of turn because it can cause a whole lot of commotion and and chaos. And it can disrupt the negotiation process for those all-important negotiations. I really recommend full dress rehearsals. Try to get people that you can role play with that can play the role of the other party or the other team. If you know the personalities, tell that person that you're going to be role playing with what the personality of that other person or the other team are and try to anticipate the questions that they may bring up or the tough propositions they may bring up so you can role play it and be prepared for anything that could happen. And last but not least, as I said before, when in doubt, take a timeout. When in doubt, take a timeout. Let's talk about timeouts and and what they look like and how they work. Timeouts as a rule are 15 to 20 minutes and they can be longer, but as a rule, they're, they're 15 to 20 minutes. And if you're working within a team, the goal is to have a brief conference with your team to assess basically your progress in the negotiation. You want to get everyone's viewpoint very quickly and concisely. Uh, You also want to identify what your options are to continue to move the process forward. And, And do me a favor, do yourself a favor, really. Avoid arguing in your timeouts, especially where the other party may be able to see that there is some type of dissension in the ranks. All right. So, I mean, if you disagree, don't let it show. Just speak, you know, in very soft tones. Summarize your next step or your next steps and then get ready to re-engage the customer team. Now, one of the rules of timeout etiquette is this. Whoever takes the timeout should engage, re-engage the other party. Whoever takes the timeout should re-engage the other party. So if the customer takes the timeout, allow them to reopen the negotiations. Now, if they come back and then just sit there, even if the silence persists, don't say a word until they re-engage you in negotiations. I've seen it happen where they may come back in and sit there for a whole minute, sometimes three minutes, as long as five minutes, and it seems unbearable. And one of the things we have to do as sales professionals 
is get comfortable with silence. Sometimes silence happens or occurs because they are really thinking and giving their next move or what you just said is serious consideration. Sometimes it happens because it's a tactic and they want to see what you have to say. And I have I've seen it happen where there are times where they can't stand the silence. So as a result, they just blurt out something. And I, I'll give an example. Recently, my my daughter had an accident and I went to the insurance company to negotiate her settlement. So I'm just going to throw out some numbers. But uh, basically, my thought was if we were able to get we, we already settled the car. Okay, the, the car was settled. But if we were able to get for just pain and suffering and inconvenience an additional uh, $3,000, that would be great. Uh, my daughter thought 1500 would be great. So I said, no, let's, let's go for three. So when we got to the point where we were negotiating and, and the lady said to me, she said, okay, and what did you have in mind regarding... Uh, the settlement and I got silent. I promise you I was quiet for all of maybe five seconds, no more than seven seconds. And then she said, okay, I I can tell you right now we can, we can go ahead and do $2,900. And that was right where I wanted to be anywhere. So I just kind of hesitated. I said, well, that's, that's a good start. (laughs) That's a good start. And she said, well, what were you thinking? I got quiet again. And she said, what, maybe like $3,700? I said, really, 4000 And she said, well, I have to go to my my manager and, and talk to him about it because that's higher than what we would normally do. I said, okay, we, we'll wait. And she came back with a check for $4,000. Uh, and my daughter was kind of in shock because she was ready to settle for 1500 So silence is something that we all have to be pro- get more proficient at. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable when you're silent, but you have to be, un- you have to be extremely comfortable when someone else is using the silence tactic with you. Well, it's time for us to take our last and final break of this session. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and our topic today is essential negotiation skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals part two. Stay tuned and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Always talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. 
Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you and your business well prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard, and our topic today is Essential Negotiation Skills. Let's revisit the fundamentals part two. And we've been talking about things that can help you keep more money in your pocket, put more money in your pocket, protecting your margins, your commissions and your bonuses, as well as your profitability. And I want to go back to some something regarding negotiating as a team. And, and let's talk even about selecting your teams. First of all, I believe that we should be impeccable with our words. You've heard the saying, your word is your bond. And as I mentioned in the last show, I've been negotiating for over 30 years and I have been able to get what I want in negotiations without lying. It's not necessary. It really isn't because it should be about integrity. And you want to deal from a position of good faith, which basically means you have every intention of fulfilling your part of the agreement. And too many times we will say things that we know aren't true. And then later on, it gets us in trouble or we lose credibility with that other party because we can't deliver. And my recommendation is that when you select your team members that's going to be a part of the negotiation, they all need to be ethical. All right. And make sure that everyone, your your team is sensitive to the problems that are that can be associated with misrepresentation or exaggeration. It could be exaggerations of your capabilities to get the job done. It could be exaggeration of delivery dates completion times, etc. Make sure that you're on the same page with everyone on your team and no one says anything or does anything 
that can put you and your organization in a compromising position because you can't deliver what you committed to. Let's talk a little bit about emotions. Emotions play a powerful role in negotiations because people find it difficult to tolerate unexpected outbursts or when someone appears to be angry. We go to great pains to hide anger, fright, apathy, or even depression. And when the other person loses it, we find it hard to cope. An emotional opponent can gain the initiative. The surprise outburst may be staged to test our resolve about something we propose to shake our self-confidence or force us to reassess our targets or our position. Hey, the best way to cope with an emotional outburst from the other party is just to play it cool. If you become perturbed or aggravated, the negotiation will degenerate into an argument and no one is going to win. Bottom line is this, when the climate gets emotional, just try to bring issues into focus by centering discussion around facts rather than just the feelings that's going on at that point in time. And rephrase the other person's comments to show them that you understand their viewpoint. Call a recess if necessary. The more you stick to a rational approach, the harder it will be for the other party to get excited. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not in favor of deliberate emotional displays. The thing to remember is that some people stage emotions to communicate feelings they actually don't feel. Others are adept at covering up intense feelings. Be skeptical and just play it cool. Get the story before reducing your demands or your aspirations because there are a lot of good actors out there. Emotions are a two-edged sword. They can show that you really care or they can twist you up to the point where even a good opportunity looks offensive. I have actually seen uh, people negotiating deadlock for emotional reasons, reasons that made no sense when the tempers cooled, but it was too late. It was kind of like the Humpty Dumpty story. You know, they could not put it back together again. So there's a price to pay anytime we lose our cool. And once again, we come to the end of the show. Thoroughly enjoyed taking you further into the area of negotiations and helping you get to a point where you can be more effective in protecting your margins, your commissions, your bonuses, and growing your company and not allowing your profits to be eroded. Now, I have an exceptional negotiations audio CD set, and it's titled, Don't Take It on the Chin, Negotiate a Win-Win, Essential Negotiation Skills to Close More Business at Higher Profits Now. And it also has a workbook with it, and it's designed to help you go deeper into some of the things we've talked about over the last couple of sessions. For example, Disc 1 talks about learn the nine sales negotiation pitfalls and how to avoid them, as well as the fundamental rules of effective negotiations. Disc 2, learn how to handle negotiation obstacles, powerful concession strategies, and the four primary negotiation styles that you're going to be negotiating against. And Disc 3, how to handle seven deadly buyer strategies and how to counter them. You can go to www.tymaynergroup.com. That's T Y E 
M-A-N-E-R-G-R-O-U-P.com. Go to the online store and get your copy. It will help you tremendously hone your skills to negotiate more effectively. If you're interested in enhancing your skills on an individual basis, feel free to give us a call. Or if you have a sales team and you're looking to hone their skills to improve their new business development or whatever aspect you're looking for, whether it's presentation skills, negotiations, just the fundamentals of selling, strategic selling, we can help your entire organization. Give us a call at 888-605-1040. That's toll free, 888-605-1040. Or you can contact me at ty at tymaynergroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R. And our time is up. I love this time with you. And I just want to thank you for listening. Please continue to tell others about the show. Uh, If you want, you can podcast us. So every time we do a show, if you can't listen live, it will automatically download to your podcast app. So in the meantime, we will continue next week to bring you powerful tools, tips, strategies, techniques, and ideas to help you in your quest to be the best. In the meantime, forget patience. Let's sell something. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.